Millennials are ruining the world An exennial perspective Hey everyone, welcome to the season 4 premiere of Millennials are ruining the world? Question mark and exennial perspective Real conversations bridging the gap between generations X and Y I'm not woke, I'm awake I'm your host, Seth Beeson-Hirsch, and I never say my name, but I thought maybe I will since this is the premiere. And how exciting is this to be back for a fourth season? When I started this podcast four years ago or three years ago, depending on the math, probably three years ago because it's the fourth year and that's how math works, I never dreamed that I'd be doing a fourth season, even though it makes sense because I am I never quit anything. All right, so just so you know, to all my loyal listeners out there, all 30 of you, this season is a truncated season. I'm only doing eight episodes because, as you all probably know, Love Quirks is back off-Broadway in a few weeks, and I'm very busy. So I also ran out of friends, uh, so I don't know what I'm going to do next season, but that is next year's Seth's problem. So anyway... My guest today is a tarot reader, astrologer, and performer based in New York City. She's a fellow NYU grad, and she lived in Munich, Germany for six years, which is six more than I have ever been in in Munich. I've been to Berlin and Heidelberg and Frankfurt, but never Munich, you know. Never Munich. She's just looking at me like, can I talk? You, they know you're here. Oh, yeah, I'm here. And sometimes people like to <laughs> Thank wait. Thank you so much I, for having me. Yes, we're not there yet. But no, I we're just, not there I yet. was okay. interrupting your intro to comment on Germany. Germany. All right. She has been a vegetarian for 21 years, which is 21 more years than I've been a vegetarian. And her favorite color is purple. Her favorite animal is an otter. And if she were a Muppet, she would want to be Kermit. But she's definitely... Miss Piggy, please welcome Ashley O'Neill. All right, now you can say hello, thank you. Hello, hello. All right, now thank you for yes, having me. Yes, of course. So I, I definitely always think of myself as a piggy as well. Uh, but my wife said to me one day, she sat me down and she was like, I have to be honest with you. We have something serious to talk about. You're not really a piggy. You're really Fozzie Bear. <laughs> You know, it's funny because I had a I had a similar conversation with mm. my girlfriend um, about, uh, you know, whether I was piggy or whether I was fozzy because, you know, we oh. all, all want to be we want to be a piggy. But but I'm I was afraid, you know, especially with the whole, you know, fozzy does stand up jokes. I like to make jokes and it's sort of do your jokes have the the class and the drama of piggy or is it the sort of short punch of a waka waka no i guess we're very similar in that way i i'm definitely i've come to terms with being a fozzy fozzy and piggy share some traits besides you know frank oz being up their ass uh they both want to be loved and they just go about it in different ways I think what makes Fozzie really special, though, is the loyalty for friends and friendship. Yeah. And, like, that Fozzie will stay there till the bitter end. I think I'm pretty loyal. And I think, I don't know, I've wanted to be a Kermit because I like the way he kind of corrals the whole group. And I like to, 
you know, make my little mixes of people and keep them together. But yeah. the truth is, I also have a flair for drama. I mean, I love Kermit. I love the color green. I have a lot of Kermit and a lot of Kermit green stuff in this apartment, which Ashley can see, but no one else can see because this is a podcast. It's wonderful. Y'all you, should join. You can't see anything. You'll have to watch some of my videos uh, or whatever. Ah, so uh, they have these new uh, mini Lego uh, they're coming out very soon, although by the time this airs, they're already out. And I should have them, uh, you know, sponsor my podcast since I'm going to mention it. Lego, do you want to sponsor my podcast? Just putting it out there. They don't. Uh, but I I might have to get them. They're really cute. Have you seen them? Yes. Oh, my gosh. They're adorable. I uh, know. I think by the time this airs, it's possible I will have them, but I don't have any place to put them, so it's also possible I won't. You know, I think I think there's always room for a little Lego figure set, so I think I think you'll find it. I will have to rearrange. You don't have things. it, but you'll you'll find it when they come. When they come, I'll rearrange stuff and find the perfect spot. I'm I'm thinking about it. That it's uh, that you know rather than be productive for any of my projects, that's what my brain is going to be productive on, like finding out where to put my Legos. All right. So anyway, we should start a podcast. Sometimes we talk for, you know, only two minutes, sometimes 20, but today it's apparently about five. Uh, so first question, how did we meet Ashley? Oh, we met because I did one of your showcases. That's a very popular answer, and I promise you that is not the last time you will hear it this season. <laughs> uh, all right. So our subject today is astrology. And so Ashley, what is astrology. Well, astrology is the study of the planetary motions through the zodiac, as well as the accompanying belief that there's a reflection and patterns that we can kind of correlate between what's going on in the sky and what's going on here on Earth. It's the belief that the moment when you were born and the chart that is drawn has, has symbolic significance for the person who the chart belongs to over the course of their entire life. And we can use astrology to look at personal characteristics and ways to make personal growth, as well as bigger picture themes to kind of look at what are we collectively as society going through right now? What does that chapter look like? And how does that affect each of us differently? Oh, that's very heavy. It definitely is. I think... I think that's what's kind of funny is that a lot of the times astrology is reduced to more of the simple bite-sized things. Like um, horoscopes. Yeah, horoscopes and then memes. And I'm behind all of that because I think it's so fun. But I think a lot of people don't realize that it's something deeper as well, too, that is more of like another way to answer the questions about like human consciousness and why are we all here and what are our life purposes mm. um why are we yeah. all here i i don't know well, like we are all know, we are here to do a podcast we're that's, here to do a podcast yes. that's probably because you know um i have a strong mercury in my chart so communication is is right up my alley for that so you heard it here first <laughs> communication is up ashley's alley because mercury is in her chart so how did you get into all this stuff like you just woke up one day and was like let me research more about horoscopes it pretty much was the day when somebody told me that astrology is more than your sun sign and horoscopes so horoscopes are based on your sun sign the sun mm -hmm. sign that's um 
you know, based on the month. And I think pretty much everyone knows their sun signs, especially thanks to 20th century astrology. And that's really when sun sign astrology became extremely popular. You know, actually doing horoscopes based on the sun sign wasn't actually really a thing until about the 1930s. Um, oh, really? Columns. Yeah. I thought they, it was around forever. Well, astrology has been around forever, but it's over different times, the most important piece of the chart has been considered differently or the most commonly used branch of astrology is differently. You know, if you go back more to ancient astrology, um, something called mundane astrology may have been a bit more popular, mm. which is, um, that's tracking the um, way the planets are moving right now and the immediate reflection on Earth. So you could use that for predictive astrology. If, for example, you were correlating like, oh, last time this happened, we had a lot of storms and like, to, um, we can notate these things for harvests and cycles and all that can be done with astrology as well. Uh, it was also quite popular, like, um, depending on, depending on the time period, because it's hard to speak generally about all of civilization and also get real specific, but, uh, kings using astrologers to decide, like, when's the best time to go to war or things like that. Yeah, I don't know that there's ever a good time to go to war. <laughs> I mean, listen, as a Libra, I definitely agree with you. Uh, no, it's true. And, uh... We also, like, we have the study of, like, using astrologies to figure out about us personally, but the sun sign wasn't always the, like, exclusive focus. And once I figured out that there's a lot of different planets that, like, help make up your personality, astrology became a lot more specific, and that's when I wanted to study it. Yeah, I feel like it's just capitalism and people wanting a simple way to make money, and so they would take this complex thing and say, let's simplify it so it's only about this one thing and then we can get all these people to read about it in the paper and that's they don't care about that there's all these other things i think so too and i also think it's you know about getting people something that they can digest easily um also one challenge with astrology is finding the exact birth time because mm. the exact birth time really can affect your chart and a lot of the more complicated techniques you just can't do without that and it's not always so easy to get that information. First off, not everyone has a recorded birth time. They're, you don't necessarily know that it's accurate. And But everybody knows the day they were born, pretty much. So, uh, well, some or the people, month. Some people might not. They might not know, but hopefully. Even if you don't know the day, you probably know the month or the time of year. And you can have a guess. Well, we have time. a guess, you know, for Joni. We have a guess because when the cats are at the... At the shelter, I think they just make a guess like that. True, they make like a guess yeah, based on how so old they are. Yeah, so they've guessed that her birthday is April 2nd, which would make her an Aries. Ooh, an Aries baby. But if she was really a couple weeks earlier, she would have been a Pisces like me. And that's hard, you know, that's... But, you know, I think she might be an Aries because I would get along better with a Pisces. No, I get along fine <laughs> with Joni. Is she feisty? Uh, she's very mercurial. So anyway, isn't there a new 13th sun sign? Did I read that? Is that true? Do you think that's bullshit? Okay, so that is a little bit of complicated theory in terms of, yes, there are some people who believe there should be a 13th sun sign, but the other thing is that, um, it's not, it doesn't necessarily have to be true to make astrology work. Um, because astrology uses a slightly different system than 
astronomy. So like, yes, oh, there could be. Oh, what's the difference? Um, it's it has to do with whether or not you're using I um using the tropical zodiac or there's a couple other kinds as well. I'm not as familiar with. This is so crazy. You uh, think it's a simple topic, but this is unearthing a huge plethora of stuff that no one knows about. So the way that the way that astrologers use most astrologers use it, it doesn't necessarily need to be included in order for the system to still work. And also there's something really symmetrical about the idea of having 12 zodiac signs um, because it's sort of a perfect balance system when you stick to the 12. And of course, yes, someone could come and say, oh, but there's 13, so your balance system is bullshit. But I'm also not interested in trying to convince that person. But for people that are interested in learning more about astrology, you know, there are, so 12 signs, three signs in each of four elements, four signs in each of three modalities. There's, uh, there's ways that the ruling planets of each sign all connects and also the 12 signs match the 12 houses mm. in a, in a, in a natal chart. Um, so there's a lot of symbolic relevance, sim- symbolic relevance to keeping it at 12, which is why that was, is what I would do. But I know there's some people who are interested in investing, investigating that and Hey, like maybe there's something we don't know. And, but I'm confident that astrology can change and adjust as information is presented. Like how it changes and adjusts as we discover new planets. Well, I know 12 is definitely a better number than 13. It's a lot luckier and it's definitely more divisible. It just feels more balanced. I'm going to keep it at 12. It's so funny how that sort of thing can just blow up everything. It's like all of a sudden there's like, there's now a 14th. And you have to redo all the math again. And you're like, oh. So how do you know that this this system is true and it's not just bullshit? Well, I think I would have to say that um, I know it's true because I believe it to be true. And I see it work in practice. And I also don't know it's true <laughs> <laughs> in terms of I can't because I know it to be true in my own work but I can't confirm for you how it works. And I think that part of the mystery of these sorts of things like astrology and tarot is also part of the intrigue. I think if we knew exactly how and why all of it worked, we would lose the kind of element of magic or suspending your disbelief or that sort of... Because what's attractive about it is it's something that we feel like shouldn't be able to work. Like the natural way to approach these things is from a skepticism especially you know based in our society we're a very skeptical society it's like Uh, why should the planet moving have anything to do with me and i should say i i would say i don't know except that we can see that these positions or these signs that there is some sort of a collective archetypal truth that's true on the individual level so you're looking for patterns and how things ripple through and it's an inexact kind of science. Pseudoscience, would that be the word for it? I mean, I wouldn't call it a pseudoscience right, because saying. that's a, you know, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a pseudoscience. Would you call it a science? I probably wouldn't call it a science. Uh, I think, you know, there was one, this is an astrologer. I forget who's, I forget who said this, but that um, astrology is the poetry of astronomy. 
Got it. I mean, I find it very fascinating. I I think that, you know, when you did my chart, that it it was very true. So I, I think there's got to be something there. But some people might argue you could always find something there. Yeah, you absolutely could. And uh, to those people, I also would say, then does it matter? You know? If you're using something as a tool for self-inquiry, and yes, I happen to believe it's true. That's that's my that's my personal opinion, but I'm not gonna sit here and try to convince someone else that it is or isn't true. But I also would argue to you, or to the person being the skeptic, not necessarily saying you, but I'm just playing devil's advocate. Oh, I know, and you're enjoying that. Yes. I totally get that. I'm just gonna but I also keep say, switching back and forth. If you're using it as a tool for self-inquiry and you find out something in it that's not true, then that would be learning about yourself too. And some people, because some people do believe it's confirmation bias. I personally don't mm. because I think that there's too many coincidences for it not to be meaningful in some way. But the thing about confirmation bias is that you'll also learn things that you are, that don't feel true or energies that you're, you can think, hmm, I'm not really in touch with that as much. Is it not true? Or is it a part of yourself that you have to develop? And can you still learn something meaningful without knowing how something works? Hmm. Fascinating, as Spock would say. Uh, so how <laughs> do you do this? I know when you came in, you, you asked for all my birthday and place and time, and then you came in and you had a chart. Where does that come from? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, uh, we're also in a in a golden age in terms of technology and astrology because it has never been easier to draw up an astrological chart. Mm -hmm. There's a number of free websites online where you can get a um, get your chart drawn up for free to just have it. But on its own, the chart isn't much good unless you know what you're looking at. Um, so, which is where the astrologer comes in to point out these are not just this is what your chart looks like, but this is what it means that it looks like that. So did you just like memorize all the placements of all the different planets and stuff? That's a lot of information to keep in your head. Yeah. In terms of, so you, you know, you learn about the planets, the signs, the houses, how they go together. But the other thing is once you start thinking of them more as dynamic archetypes, it becomes less about thinking about every single thing like, okay, I got to memorize what Mercury and Leo is versus Mercury and Pisces versus, but it's more like, okay, I know what Mercury is. That's the communication planet. It's quick. It's short distance travel. It's, uh, it's one of the quicker moving planets. And well, I know what Leo is. Leo is bold and Leo takes up a lot of space and um, has to do with radiating from the center of the self. So when you put Mercury and you put it in Leo, you think, well, maybe this is someone who communicates in a really bold style or um, has a good flair for public speaking or is able to really command their voice and use it um, to be a leader like Leo. And once you sort of start putting together, you can look at each little piece and think about things in a different way. And then you reflect, you know, what does that mean for you, the person who has that placement or. It um, sounds very logical. Yeah. It's there's like a lot a of puzzle. logic to it. It is like a, pu like I love a puzzles. logic puzzle. I love puzzles too. We actually talk about that next week, but enough about next week. <laughs> uh, I, 
I think it's it all comes together. I you know it's fascinating. I'm finding it more fascinating as this podcast has gone on. It's like you're piecing together all these parts of the puzzle and seeing well if this is here and this is here, what does that mean together? And I think it's also I'm also I'm quoting other astrologers on this one, but uh, that. When something shows up in the chart one time, it might be true for the person, but once it shows up two or three times, that pattern is probably very true. Because there's different placements that might suggest like, oh, this person might be shy, or this might person might have uh, difficulty with communication. There can be different ways that shows up, or this person has trouble opening up, and you'll see that appear a few places, and then you can say, hmm, I'm pretty sure that's sh- that's something that's going to resonate with this person Hmm. Um, because every chart's really complicated there's a lot you can learn from it i mean i imagine there was like what 12 different planets and signs it's more than that um it's there's um so we call them nine planets and 12 signs what we call planets in astrology isn't necessarily a planet it's more like celestial bodies in terms Ah. of the luminaries of the sun and the moon astrologers know they're not planets because I've had that said to me before where where they're like you know the moon's not a planet right and I'm like yes I'm aware the moon's not a planet but (laughs) in astrology it functions as a placement in the chart so So we have have celestial bodies and then the zodiac sign exactly so we have we have essentially 10 that we're working 10 10 planets or luminaries that we're working with um that can fall into any of the 12 zodiacs um, some people limit to the traditional planets, and some include the modern. I include the modern, but I don't place as much importance on them. That's speaking to that traditional astrology discover. Um, traditional astrology existed long before we discovered uh, some of the planets, um, like um, Neptune, Pluto, Uranus. That's the one we never know how to say in astrology. You never say Uranus? Yeah, I used to say Uranus, but then people laugh, you know, because I'd say things like, oh, like, like, your moon is conjunct Uranus. And just, <laughs> it sounds funny. It I sounds find funny. it funny. So That's some, my people humor. Say, some people say Uranus. I've heard Uranus. I've heard Uranus. I've And I think they all sound terrible. Uranus sounds like you're peeing. I know. They all sound terrible. It's a great planet, you know, but, but. I think all the names on there. We do need to come up with a better name for it. I agree. Why not just Yuri? <laughs> Yuri? Yeah, that's a nice name. I like that. I had I knew someone in college named Yuri. Yuri? Okay. That's yeah. what that's that's it. All we, right. So we've got Yuri, Neptune, and Pluto. We you heard it here first. We're renaming Uranus. We're renaming it. Yuri, so people can stop saying urine and anus. Yeah, you know, this is the see. I'm, this I, maybe this will catch on. Groundbreaking research. I don't really. know how this stuff like gets into the zeitgeist, but I'm saying it here. And it maybe, started here. You maybe heard it here we first. can uh, maybe we can push this forward somehow on on Twitter or Twitch or or Snapchat. I don't know what people use these days. TikTok Line. for the teens. I can't get into TikTok. You know, that's we did the... an episode of TikTok last season, and I just I was like, well, maybe I'll try. To get on it, and even with the pandemic, I could not, I could not do it because I don't like doing things on a phone. I don't like my fingers hurt, you know, my eyes hurt. I don't, I don't like doing things on a phone. I, I was finally brought to the talk. That's not what they call it, but that's what I call <laughs> it. Um, uh, just this very year, because 
you know, I've decided I don't want to get old. I want to, I want to, I want to stay uh, young. And I've, I'm, I'm... I've accepted being old. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm an exennial and I accept it. See, I'm, I'm actually a zillennial. So I, I have to really, you know, I consider myself more of a millennial, but some people would call me Gen Z. I call that Zoomer. I a like Zoomer. Zoomer. If you're on the cusp of Z and millennial, I call you a Zoomer. <laughs> I like that. Thank you. I coined another one today, but I, that was already in my podcast class a couple seasons ago. That makes me afraid, when... though, that that sounds like I'm a boomer, and none of nobody wants to be a boomer. Well, my parents are boomers. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of boomers that are great, but, you know, millennials are ruining the world, question mark, I would say, you know. Like, how, how'd we get here, and uh, who started it? Uh, you know, who ruined the that's, world? That's a popular, popular position from younger people. Yeah. But uh-huh. I I think that in general, everyone is very selfish. And that's kind of the moral to the play The Minutes, which I just saw by Tracy Letts, which was very good, by the way. And I think the moral is everyone will do whatever they can to survive. And I, I believe that any of us in that same position would probably have done similar things. Even if you are a liberal person, there's only a limit to how far you're going to go. You know, like people still are driving cars. We've known that cars are bad for the environment for decades and people are will still do it. It's all very much, uh, it's okay. If we want other people to change, but when it comes to ourselves, I think it's very hard. Well, and I think, you know, we also don't necessarily treat ourselves well. Like, that makes me think of, like, things we know are bad and do anyway. Like, we know that cigarettes is one of the leading causes of pre- preventable death. Mm. But, you know, people still smoke. Smoking is actually getting more popular now. Well, I don't smoke and I don't have a car, uh, but I do eat chocolate. But that's just, you know, chocolate is great for you. It depends on the kind of chocolate. Ah, see, it's the nuance. It's all in the nuance. So anyway, speaking of me, because that's my favorite subject, Mm. what do you remember about uh, my neurological chart? Numerological (laughs) chart. Astrological chart. Astrological (laughs) chart, right. Not not Um, numerological. What do you remember about me and my astrological chart? Well, you have a lot of water energy there. You're a Pisces. I am very much a Pisces. Mercury is in Pisces, just like Stephen Sondheim. Stephen Sondheim. Um, and we had that that moon in something. Yes, Aries it's that your moon is in Aries and yes. his sun is in Aries. But with that and um, both both of those points in your chart in your respective charts, correlating with the career as well as the Mercury in Pisces. So that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you have that sort of, um, the water energy of a lot of emotions, more introversion, but your chart is being led with that moon and Aries that really wants to be first, take action and like, yes, that's my drive. That's my huge drive. drive. Yeah. That's why I, I keep going and I persist and why I'm in my fourth season of my podcast, even though I don't have time to do a podcast this year. It's because I must, I must, I must, I must. I remember you said something about how I also relate to the word world with music. Yes, and about um, being able to express things creatively, but not necessarily directly. That's that Mercury and Pisces placement that understands that there's so much more to communicate than just words. Um, 
communication. It's never been my strong suit. But I can write a good song. And that's that's really cool. And that's a really cool way to use that placement in your chart. Yeah, it was a great chart. How exciting. All right. <laughs> so then also after we did my chart, the next thing we did was uh, tarot cards. So yes. how are tarot cards related to astrology? It's one of those things that they're not necessarily related in terms of there's people that do astrology and never touch tarot. There's people that do tarot and never touch astrology. But a lot of people are interested in both. And the reason why I like to use them together is just my style of readings, which is that with um, the astrology side and my combination readings, I like to focus more on the themes of the natal chart is in. What are the themes that are present throughout your entire life? And then I use the tarot to bring up and what's going on right now, right here in this second with the themes going on in your life. Um, each tarot card actually does have an astrological signification, mm. um, which is just another way to think about them. Because, you know, when you're dealing with archetypes, a lot of things can fall into something that is both general and specific. So there's a lot of crossover, but you don't have to use them together. But I do. I remember we did, I think it was a past, present, future. Yeah, we did. We were talking about your career. Um, and especially, especially your show. I'm very into my career. I'm not going to lie. Because I have an Aries moon. Is that what you say? You <laughs> I say it was... Um, moon in Aries? It was close to your midheaven, which is the career point. Yes, midheaven. I'm, I'm in the middle of heaven with Love Quirks returning in two weeks. Get your tickets. So exciting. Lovecourse.com slash tickets. Uh, So yeah, that's, I remember I really enjoyed that reading. So what are some of your favorite cards and and what do they mean? Ooh, um, my favorite, my favorite card would definitely be the star. It's the 17th major arcana card. And it's about sort of healing and finding your direction and, uh, once you've been through all the trials and tribulations, kind of taking that moment to heal and move forward as your authentic self. It's about embracing the things about you that might be a little weird or a little different and kind of taking your uniqueness and applying it with a creative and lovely spirit. That kind of reminds me of Smash. <laughs> Let me be your star. Yeah. But it Let does kind of... But it, it, star. but it kind of like works with exactly what you said. That's what the characters were trying to do on that show. Yeah. Yeah. So whenever you see that card now, you're going to think of Smash. Mm-hmm. And it's all because of me. Uh, any other favorite cards? Uh, yeah, oh my gosh, there's so many. Uh, the Magician about taking That's action. That's what I got. That's what you pulled. Yeah. That's a great card. I about... pulled The Magician. Thank you. Thank you. I watch Penn and Teller <laughs> fool us every week and I can tell you nothing about how any of the tricks are done. (laughs) I like the magician about taking action, the high priestess about um, more about like reflection and uh, learning through absorbing. Uh, The Milan card, because she's reflecting. (laughs) When will my reflection be the magician card? (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say. I, those are probably my, some of my favorite cards, but. You know, all the cards How'd you get, get some in, love. How'd you get into the cards? Like one day you were like, let me expand my knowledge of this mystical stuff and do tarot cards too? I think, well, actually I started doing tarot first. Now ah. that I think about it. Like I, 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 or I should say I started doing tarot seriously first. 
because I knew about astrology, but tarot really took over once I discovered it. And I think it's one of those things that the sort of mystical aspect drew me to it. Like, oh, there's this thing that maybe will give me some answers about things that I don't know. And uh, that was really exciting at first. And of course, what ended up happening is that I learned that tarot really gives you the answers that you already know, but needed like confirmation on, or maybe the answer that you knew deep inside that you didn't want. That happens a lot. Denial. Denial. And tarot allows you to reflect on yourself and your situation and kind of calls you out when you are denying something or when you're saying everything's fine and you're thinking, but why am I pulling these cards? These look kind of more like more difficult situations. And it's like, hmm, well, what's really going on with you under the surface? Mm. Um, Denial is not just a, a river in Africa. No, it's not. Interesting. Yeah, I actually was really into tarot for a hot minute when I was younger. And also magic. I Speaking Ooh. of magic, I took magic lessons from the guy who taught David Copperfield. <gasps> That's cool. Uh, in New Jersey. And I just, I don't remember which friend I did that with. I, I know I went with a friend and I, I don't remember whom. But I really liked it and then I stopped doing it. I don't know. Like So tarot was one of those things that at some point... I got really into tarot and I got a tarot deck and I remember having a notebook where I was going through the cards one by one, but there wasn't an internet. So it wasn't easy. And so I had to like get a book and I had to like do research like that. Everything is so much easier for, you know, millennials and and Zoomers or Zennials or whatever you want to call yourselves. It's so much easier to get into anything because it's all just like, let me type this into Google. Like, when I was young, this is what I'm saying, I'm going into my being old. I remember that it was, I had to get a huge textbook on this stuff to, like, do research. Yeah, I think, I think you have a point, and I think that the internet has definitely facilitated the popularization of tarot and astrology, and just things that you never heard before of, like, just how popular it is or people saying phrases like oh Mer is mercury in retrograde as like oh, yeah. a thing that people actually say now and i think that the internet definitely made it easier to get into these subjects but i also think it's like it's sort of a double-edged sword in terms of i'm still a textbook researcher i i learn things from books i buy books i read them i love books but because part of the problem, I think, is that there's some really good information on the internet, and there's also some some, some not good information. Oh, that's really true. You can put anything on the internet and pretend it's true. Did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. And especially when it's something that a lot of people do consider to be a pseudoscience or something that's a little bit mystical or, well, who's to say what the exact right answer is? And that's true. But also these cards and the study of astrology has a long tradition. Mm. And you can't just like totally throw that away and make up a different meaning, you know, just because that's what you want to do. It's one thing to have an intuitive connection to a card to set, but you need to know what the basic meaning traditionally is in order to use your intuition, because that's how you know 
that you are using intuition because you know the basics in order to be able to build off of them. So I'm still a book learner. There's a lot of good information on the internet as well, but there's also, you know, it's hard, I think, sometimes there's also, it's given people a, a microphone who don't necessarily know what they're talking about. Just like politics. But, That's uh, true. <laughs> I think that it has been around a long time because I was in India. Have you been to India? I have not. Uh, get a lot of bottled water if you go. Uh, but I was in Jaipur, India, and I went to this. It's called Chokidoki, and it's like this village, and it's so much fun. I rode on an elephant, which I'm sure is terrible for the elephant, but was fun for me. And I rode on a camel, and... Uh, one of the things I had my palm read, and one of the other ones that, that I think it was a numerologist. That's cool. Yes. What is, or maybe it was astrology. I don't know. I had a whole chart. I think it was numerology because you showed me your chart and I was like, ah, this isn't an astrology chart. This is a numerology chart. Yes. Numerology has to do with um, numbers and the significance of numbers and uh, correlating the numbers of your birth date and... Uh, like the numbers that correspond with the letters of your name in order to draw up a chart. And oh, interesting. But I don't study numerology, so that's really a that's really a basic answer. Um, I know it's something that exists and sounds interesting, but I've done no research. Into well, the it. numerology, the palm reading, the tower reading, and the astrology, the the overall theme was a lot of success later in life, without any definition. Of whether that meant 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, or 90s. Like, for all I know, I might have a huge amount of success in my 80s. And I'm going to have to wait decades and decades more. Yeah. It's very uh, unspecific, unfortunately. Yeah. But I like my tower reading. I remember I got the magician. Mm-hmm. And then I got the, the seven of swords, right? The one with the blind... Oh, the Eight the, of Swords. The Eight I of Swords. Sorry, sorry, everyone. The Eight of Swords. <laughs> With the blind girl who was trying to get out of, like, not walking into swords. Mm-hmm. And then my future card was, uh, I think it was the Three of, of Pentacles. Is that what yes, it's called? Yes, about uh, collaboration. collaboration. Working together to make, make something better. Yeah, so then the overall theme was I, I had built a lot of great stuff because that was the magician. Uh, but I was stuck in my ways, which isn't everybody. But, you know, maybe I'm... Some people more than others, though. I'm pretty fucking stuck. I'm not going to lie. I couldn't even let myself not do a podcast for a season. I'm very like, I must do what I say I'm going to do. So that card is all about finding other ways out and looking at your your preconditions for yourself, right? And so then the collaboration card was you work better in a team of three. And then, of course, Love Quirks is uh, me, Brian, and Mark. That's our team, our creative team, our producing team. And so I think the cards gave me confidence to kind of like step back a little and trust Brian and Mark more, thanks to your reading of my tower yeah. cards. Well, and that really seemed to be about sort of the, the transition from the individual figure who's making it happen to the individual who's getting in their own way, to bringing on more people to pull on everyone's different strengths. Because at the end of the day, I think, and that's another thing, that's why I love doing um, tarot readings for creatives. Um, because I do think the the artistic process is just 
different than a lot of other types of work because at the end of the day, your your show is so much you and it also has nothing to do with you. And that's really weird because you, it's something that has to live on its own, but you yes. poured all yourself into it. And it, how do you bring other people in? Well, it's very hard, but as they keep reminding me, we just, we have to let the show speak for itself. And I try to take more of a backseat and get the show out there and get the cast recording out there. And it's not just me and it's not just them. It's also the cast and our orchestra and, you know, our house manager and box office and our set designer and lighting designer and, and the stage managers. And it's, it's all of us. And when the show, when we started telling people we were bringing it back, everyone involved in the show where they were just so happy because that's, it's such a labor of love for everyone involved. We just love this show and we believe in this show. And I just really hope that I'm going to quote Stephen Sondheim because Stephen Sondheim, his last letter to me, you know, I invited him to Love Quirks in 2020 and he, he, he started writing that he was only in the city for Tuesday, Wednesday. So I've invited him to a reading on a Tuesday afternoon. And then by that point, he was only in the city on Wednesdays. And this has all been corroborated by other people's letters and the fact that he was actually in the city the Wednesday before he died. Uh, oh my gosh. But so he's very honest. Talk about someone who's authentic and honest. But he was like, I'm sorry, I'm not in the city except for Wednesdays, unless it's like something, you know, an opening of one of my shows or whatever. And he was like, so I'm definitely not going to be able to come, but please forgive me. And I, you know, he's, that's how nice he is. But so anyway, he said to me, I hope it lives up to your expectations. And that is something I've also taken with the pandemic, shutting everything down for 27 months. It just was so horrible that I am trying to manage my expectations as per Steve's, you know, wise words. But we do really hope that the show will, will live to it up to our expectations of what we think it could be, of what we think its audience could be. We think that there's a huge potential because it's such a labor of love and it's all based on things that happen to us and our friends. So it's all based on true events. It's all authentic. And now this podcast has turned into an advertisement for love quirks. So I apologize about that. But didn't we know that was going to happen? Because because it's a great thing to advertise. Well, and you I, have the platform. And, and Yes, I don't mention it in any other episodes quite as much. But because the reading was about love quirks. No, it was. And my and career. I think we said it was about your career. Yeah. But when we were looking at it, you know, it did get specific. It was clear that it was speaking about, about love quirks. And yeah, about and the that collaboration. Process and trying to... Takes you know, like taking something to make it happen, the shutdown, and now the theme of bringing in more people and making it happen again. I, I feel really good about it. The, the reading really made me feel confident that we're doing the right thing, and I do hope it's a huge hit. Uh, so you mentioned artists. So Ashley specializes in tarot for artists. So why don't you talk a little bit about that and oh, how yeah. people can find you? Well, people can find me. Many, you know, you can... Um, Track me down. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> my website is... Your girlfriend is, would love that. Oh, yeah. Uh, not at all concerned about my safety. Um, <laughs> it's uh, tarot and ash 
astrology.com. So astrology, but A-S-H-trology. I'm Ashley. Anyway, um, so tarotandastrology.com. You could do a deal on Ash Wednesday. <laughs> I don't know when that, that is. That is my Wednesday. It already happened oh, this okay. year, but next year maybe. Um, and my Instagram is tarotandastrology. You can find me on uh, both those places. And uh, I book readings through my website. And uh, you can find that also through my Instagram. So you can book a reading on tarotandastrology.com. I do uh, Zoom readings and uh, sometimes in-person readings, but usually um, live Zoom readings. In-person is way nicer. In-person is way nicer. I love it. Thank you for coming over. I only have three guests coming over this season, but most of them just aren't in the city. No, I love doing stuff in person, but I think also virtual virtually is good because it can allow you to connect with more people or reach people further away. Yeah, um, like in India. Uh, so you said you do mostly artists or you're expanding or you oh, specialize? Oh, I do, I do readings for ev- everyone, but I think that I do readings for the creative person and the creative process uniquely well. Yeah, so if you're a creative person, I highly recommend it. It was super... A great reading, and I felt really confident about myself, but maybe that's because I picked such good tarot cards. Do you ever make <laughs> well, anyone feel horrible about themselves? I mean, I don't. Th- I would like to think that I don't make <laughs> anyone feel horrible about themselves. I think, though, you know, there are challenging readings. There are times when people are clearly not getting the answer they wanted. Um, but I think, and the way I look at it as, I don't, you know... It's not possible to ruin somebody's life with a tarot reading. Well, I hope um, not. It's well, it, but it's also a lot of pressure because the words you say matter, and if people come and they're kind of, you know, really pressure. stressed out about something, you don't want to, you don't want to dash their hopes and dreams. But also, it helps people to be realistic with themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think the hardest times is when you have to tell someone that you think that they might be the problem in the situation. And you know that that's not what they want to hear. Or people that people that come in for love readings about the, like, the ex that they know it's not going to work out with, but they really want you to tell them that they're wrong. And 90 times out of, out of 100, you will tell them that, no, like, they're not coming back. Like, it's over. You know well, that's that. You know, and sometimes you can be a little bit of a shoot the messenger, but... Yeah, I I, like to think that at the end of the day, even when you tell people things that you don't want to hear, it's still that they don't want to hear. It still helps them because it's the truth. Well, I got that card about being stuck in my own way, but (laughs) I I yeah, like that's not a pleasant message, but it's also yeah. Plenty of people have told me, but I think what helped was that there was a way out. Yeah, and it helps you be honest with yourself. And that's what other cards are for is to not just tell you like, hey, you have this problem and here's how you can fix it, you know? Um, and if people are willing to do the work, then the work is there for them. It's always about doing the work. Ugh, Life yes. is always about doing the work. All right. Well, thank you so much, Ashley, for being here. Uh, our final questions that I ask everyone are, uh, number one, what is the time a millennial annoyed you? Oh, yes. This is about millennial fashion trends hmm. that, um, so this is both why millennials annoyed me, and now I'm annoyed at Gen Z, too, for bringing them back. Some of these millennial fashion trends from the, from the like, 2000s, 2000s, 10s that really should be just let to die, and now they're coming back. Like slap bracelets? Um, slap bracelets. That's the Hair 90s. crimping. 
hair. Remember when we were like crimping our hair? I've never had much hair. Okay, well, it looks terrible, and I've heard that it's coming back, and I don't like it. Um, as well as uh oh, like like the strapless dress trend for the longest time. I've I'm never like, worn one of those either. <laughs> I'm like, let's let that die. <laughs> um. And yeah, just any of those two thousands, the like the really skinny scarves, hate them. Um, so hate hate the millennials for wearing them in the first place, and hate Gen Z for bringing them back. Stop it! Don't bring back those scarves. Don't do it. They're terrible. I used to have a Harry oh, Potter uh, scarf, but I lost it. Low waisted jeans. I hear those are coming back. Oh, I'm really upset about I that. I wear my jeans high on my I'm, waist. I'm not getting rid of my high-waisted jeans. That would be a waste. <laughs> <laughs> waka waka. <laughs> See how I brought it back to the beginning of our podcast? Mm-hmm. That's what you're supposed to do in stand-up, too. All right, so final question. What advice would you give yourself 10 years ago? Ooh. You know, 10 years ago, I would tell myself to uh, be confident until the inside confident matches the outside confident. Fake it till you make it. Yeah, and in terms of, but also just like that inner thing of being like, you are worth, I would tell myself that I'm worth being confident about myself and that I am worth making an investment in myself and that, uh, yeah, that it's okay if you don't always feel it, but like you're worth feeling the confidence you project. All right, so everyone is listening you are worth it. Yeah. Yes. Be confident. Be your best self. Go get an astrology tarot card reading <laughs> from Ashley. And uh, yeah, and please tune in next week. How's that for a good capper to that order, ordering the audience? Uh, so next week. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, thank you one more time before I get into next week. Thank you for having me. This, this was, was so fun. I love it. I just have my friends come over and, and we sh- uh, shoot the shit. That's what a podcast is. Absolutely. All right. So next week, I have my friend Erin Rohde uh, on the program. And we're going to talk about puzzles because Erin is a, also a professional puzzle maker. I can call myself a, a professional because I've had three puzzles published now. And so... To me, nice. that makes me a professional. So we do a whole episode on puzzles, and it, it's not puzzling at all. It's really great. So I hope you will tune in next time. Uh, so you'll hear me next time right here on Millennials Are Reading the World? Question mark, An Exennial Perspective, Real Conversations, Bridging the Gap Between Generations X and Y. I'm not woke, but I'm awake. Millennials are ruining the world. An exennial perspective.